Compass Media Networks. This is America's First News. This morning with your host, Gordon Deal. New strikes by the Navy. Good morning, I'm Gordon Deal, along with Nicole Murray on this Thursday, January 18th. Glad you could be with us. Here's what we have for you this hour. The U.S. military says it launched missiles at Houthi targets in Yemen, trying to stop attacks on commercial ships in the Red Sea. Congressional negotiators are expressing cautious optimism about a deal for Ukraine funding and border policy changes. A new report claims China mapped the coronavirus two weeks before it told the world, raising more questions about what it knew. And maxing out the new loyalty program from Starbucks. If you are a daily coffee drinker and you bring your reusable cup every day, you can earn 9,125 bonus stars per year. That's enough to cover about 45 breakfast sandwiches. Zoe Hahn at Market Watch on how Starbucks is trying to convince customers that buying coffee every day is not a financial sin. More missile strikes from American forces against Houthi militants in Yemen. The U.S. military said late yesterday that it targeted about a dozen sites in an effort to show repeated attacks, or rather in an effort to slow repeated attacks on commercial shipping in the Red Sea and other area waters. It's the fourth day of U.S. strikes in less than a week. U.S. Central Command said on social media that the Houthi weapon sites presented an imminent threat to merchant vessels and U.S. Navy ships in the region. Pentagon spokesman Major General Pat Ryder. The U.S. also conducted subsequent follow-up strikes against a radar site on Saturday, Yemen time, that was part of the original target list and four anti-ship ballistic missiles yesterday at Yemen time that were prepared to launch from Houthi-controlled areas of Yemen. The Houthis, who control most of Yemen, say they are acting in solidarity with Palestinians in Gaza and have threatened to expand attacks. Separately, Pakistan conducted strikes inside Iran earlier today, targeting separatist Balak militants. The strikes come two days after Tehran said it had attacked the bases of another group within Pakistani territory. Well, Congress might be inching toward a deal combining tighter border security with aid for Ukraine. House Speaker Mike Johnson said an hour and 20 minute sit down yesterday was productive while reiterating Republicans demand that changing border law was a condition for further funding Kyiv, which is one piece of a stalled foreign aid package championed by President Biden. We must insist, we must insist that the border be the top priority. I think we have some consensus around that table. Everyone understands the urgency of that, and we're going to continue to press for it. Johnson said Republicans will press for a tightening of asylum rules and reinstating a Trump-era policy requiring asylum seekers to wait in Mexico. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer said the Senate will focus on passing legislation funding the government this week to avoid a partial government shutdown Friday, then try to move quickly to the foreign aid legislation if an agreement is reached. Things are getting testy between Donald Trump and the judge hearing the defamation case brought by writer E. Jean Carroll. His verbal interjections during Carroll's testimony about threats of death and rape she received prompted a judge to warn the former president that he could be kicked out of the courtroom. Trump replied, I would love it. The trial had been expected to wrap up by the end of the week until Trump asked for a delay in order to attend his mother-in-law's funeral. Judge Lewis Kaplan declined to postpone proceedings. We asked to... Just delayed the trial for one day so I could go to the funeral tomorrow and then we could start Friday or Monday or any time they want. And he said, absolutely not. The trial will go on just as it is 
You can go to the funeral or you can go to the trial, but you can't do both. Judge Kaplan has already found that Trump's comments in 2019 calling Carol a liar and denying her account were defamatory and the trial is focused solely on what damages Carol should receive. For all the ones who get it done, Granger is always there to help. Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, 24-7 support, free access to product specialists, and experienced staff at over 250 local branches. Plus, they provide real-time product availability online and have sourcing specialists who can help you track down hard-to-find items. And their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call 1-800-GRANGER, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hey, thanks for spending time with us. Welcome into Thursday. President Biden has blamed former President Trump and his followers for the growing wave of political violence in the U.S. But analysts say the surge in threats and attacks is a bipartisan phenomenon. Jeff Mordock, White House reporter at The Washington Times, says those who study the issue feel both sides of America's increasingly hostile politics have plenty of culpability. Jeff, explain. We've got a lot of factors that are going to make things combustible. Right now, it's an election year. Uh, Former President Trump is facing 91 criminal charges. That has set a lot of people off. You have President Biden giving a series of speeches where he's basically blaming Trump supporters. You know, 74 million Americans voted for former President Trump in the 2020 election for political violence, saying they embrace it and laugh about it, political violence, that is. And then you've got President Trump saying, you know, Joe Biden is the destroyer of the democracy. And all of that adds up to what a lot of people expect to be an incredibly combustible year for um, for political violence. A, a professor who studies with John Hopkins predicted there will be serious bloodshed. And the consensus pretty much is that America is a tinderbox right now. He's meaning what? We're going to kill each other over politics? Well, you say that, but we've seen that. Um, we've seen that so far. I, I, Reuters did a study. 40 people died last year as a result of political violence. And it's just something as stupid as a, a gentleman in Florida got into an argument with his boss over Donald Trump and he stabbed him to death. There was a guy in um, North Dakota who ran over a teenager and he said, allegedly, according to court documents, he allegedly did it because the teenager belonged to a Republican extremist group. It seems implausible, but it is happening. There's a man in Ohio who killed his neighbor because he thought his neighbor was a Democrat. And we're not even, um, we're about a week into the new year. And so far this year, we've had three Republican members of Congress become victims of swatting, which is somebody falsely reports a shooting at your house and a heavily armed SWAT team shows up to the target's home. It's a prank that has deadly consequences. We also saw a man charged in New Hampshire with threatening the lives of uh, Vivek Ramaswamy and Chris Christie. That same person uh, talked, according to court documents, about carrying out a mass shooting at a Chris Christie campaign event. Um You know, an Arizona man was arrested this week for posting on a pro-Trump message board that he wanted to execute every single FBI employee, including the maintenance staff. This is, and we're only eight, nine days into the new year, and this is what we're already seeing. Mm. With Jeff Mordock, White House reporter at the Washington Times, he's written a piece called "Rising Political Violence in U.S. Stokes Fear of Serious Bloodshed in 2024." All right, so as you say, or the sub-headline says, experts blame Biden and Trump for fanning the flames. Does that mean that those two can play a large role here in toning things down? Oh, absolutely. They both can. And, you know, 
both of them are running around saying that their opponent is um, destroying democracy. You know, uh, Trump labeled Biden a destroyer of democracy. Biden says Trump is holding a knife to the throat of democracy. That is not helping because we're becoming more divided than ever as a nation, and the rhetoric is trickling down from their campaigns. The other problem is that we have a lot of Americans who live in an echo chamber. And what is being said by these two candidates is also being filtered into these echo chambers. And it's reinforcing the belief that half of the nation is bad or the side that doesn't have your political, that your side is virtuous and the side that doesn't have your political views is evil. And not only is it what these candidates are saying, but it's how they're being reported, where they're being reported, that's helping fuel this echo chamber. And that's a lot of responsibility on the press to try to tone things down. But, you know, when, when Biden, I mean, gives a series of speeches and basically blames Trump supporters for political violence, and then Trump basically accuses Biden of weaponizing the Justice Department to jail political opponents, that's not helpful in either case. So then, I guess by doing this, though, there must be something that shows that this type of rhetoric works to a candidate's favor. Yes. I, I mean, and that's the thing. We're, we're seeing it because it, it, it's, it's, what, it's what both sides think will mobilize their base. If you look at President Biden, for example, he's tried a few campaign messages that really have not worked. He has tried uh, pitching Bidenomics. That really hasn't clicked. He's tried pitching the bipartisan infrastructure. The problem with that is any benefit we're going to see from that is going to happen years down the road. Even if he wins a second term, it'll be long after he's left office. So what's clicking at least his campaign seems to believe, is that making an argument that 2024 democracy is on the ballot. Thanks, Jeff. That is Jeff Mordock, White House reporter at The Washington Times. 20 minutes after the hour on This Morning, here's Nicole Murray. And now, the three big things you need to know. Number one. The U.S. military says it conducted 14 additional strikes on Houthi targets yesterday, destroying missiles that were loaded and ready to be fired. The U.S. Central Command announced the Houthi missiles presented an imminent threat to merchant vessels and U.S. Navy ships in the area. Pentagon spokesman Major General Pat Ryder. The objective here was to disrupt and degrade Houthi capabilities to conduct attacks. Uh, And we believe that overall, in terms of the scope and the number of strikes that we took, we have degraded uh, their ability to attack. The Biden administration has put the Houthi militant group back on the U.S.'s global terrorism list. Number two. A judge has threatened to bar former President Donald Trump from his New York City civil trial against E. Jean Carroll. Trump had loud reactions during Carroll's testimony, claiming she ruined his reputation after accusing him of sexual abuse. It's a totally rigged deal. This whole thing is rigged. Election interference. Judge Lewis Kaplan reprimanded Trump in front of the jury and later reiterated that his right to be present during the trial could be forfeited if he is disrupted. Carroll is seeking $10 million in compensatory damages and millions more in punitive damages. Number three. Texas is refusing to comply with a cease and desist letter from the Biden administration demanding the state allow federal border authorities into Shelby Park along the U.S.-Mexico border. Republican Texas Governor Greg Abbott took control of the park last week 
to combat the migrant crisis. In a letter to the Department of Homeland Security, Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton said the state will continue utilizing its constitutional authority to defend its territory. The Biden administration has threatened to refer to the ma- refer the matter to the Justice Department if Texas does not recede. A report has found cancer rates are rising for the most common cancers in the U.S. This includes breast cancer, prostate cancer, and melanoma. Cancer death rates, however, have dropped by a third from 1991 to 2021 due to declines in smoking, earlier detection, and better treatments. Five fans were hospitalized for hypothermia and frostbite after enduring frozen temperatures at the home Kansas City Chiefs game against the Miami Dolphins. The temperature was negative four degrees Fahrenheit at kickoff. 69 cases of hypothermia-related calls were handled at the stadium in total, but the Chiefs did win 26-7. to It's brutal watching that. Wow. Thank you, Nicole. Thanks for being with us. Buying coffee every day has been seen as a financial no-no. Starbucks is trying to convince its customers otherwise. Here's Zoe Hahn at MarketWatch. Zoe, set the scene. The scene really here is if you bring your own personal cup or just any reusable cup, um, you are able to get 10 cents off your drink order. But if you are a member, you are able to get also 25 bonus stars uh, accumulated in your in your award reward app. And eventually you are going to reach the point you can use your reward stars for sandwiches and that's the deal okay uh it seems like you might have to spend a lot though and then then the personal finance experts don't really love you uh laying out all that money at starbucks on a consistent basis so the thing about this is that you are very correct Um, there are a lot of personal finance voices celebrities um, they've been saying, um, you know, actually spending your money on daily coffees is one habit you can cut uh, so that you can put that money into maybe a Roth IRA, IRA or maybe your 401k. Um, but there's also some controversies around that part as well. Um, there are also people saying, you know, it is something that can give you joy aside from saving towards retirement. There's also a lot of other reasons come behind that why that is not worthwhile. Yeah. How would somebody go about collecting enough points to get 45 free breakfast sandwiches in a year from Starbucks? So yeah, here's, um, here's the math. Um, if you only look at the 10 cents part, that has been around since 1985. Um, and it's not a lot of discount, but if you look at the 25 reward star part, um, the thing about Starbucks is that if you have 200 stars, you are able to spend it and get a free breakfast sandwich or any hot breakfast, any hot sandwich items that's on its menu. So here, if you are a daily coffee drinker, and you bring your reusable cup every day, you can earn 9,125 bonus stars per year. That's enough to cover about 45 breakfast sandwiches. Uh, Susie Orman, the personal finance celebrity expert, uh, basically gives this two thumbs down, right? She, <laughs> what she says is like peeing away a million bucks. Yeah, that's a really, <laughs> that's a cool ride there. Um, but she also got a lot of criticism over the years about, you know, there's no way you can save um, a coffee a day um, to up to $1 million down the line. Um, and so, but that's just saying, you know, there is some merit in you cutting down um, 
unnecessary spending every day so that maybe you can put towards a towards a retirement fund. Zoe Hahn, personal finance reporter at MarketWatch, 30 minutes now after the hour on this morning, America's first news. Ever feel like your finance software just isn't cutting it anymore? I say dump it. Hey, it's Gordon Deal here to tell you about Ramp. It's the financial software you need to manage your expenses and avoid unnecessary work. Ramp is more than a corporate card. It's a spending management software. It'll save you time and put money back in your pocket. Ramp gives your finance teams control and insight. You can issue a card to each employee with specific limits and automated expense reports. Ramp will systematically collect receipts and categorize expenses in real time. Just go to Ramp. Dot com slash Gordon. No more chasing down receipts or long hours on reports. Businesses using Ramp save an average of 5% in their first year and now get $250 when you join Ramp. Ramp.com slash Gordon. R-A-M-P dot com slash Gordon. Cards issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank. Members FDIC. Terms and conditions apply. Get $250 when you join Ramp. Ramp.com slash Gordon. Edgy, smart, bringing you what you need to know. This is America's First News, this morning with Gordon Deal. Thanks for being with us. Welcome into Thursday, January 18. Gordon Deal with Nicole Murray. Some of our top stories and headlines. U.S. attacking Houthi missile targets in Yemen to slow attacks on commercial shipping in the Red Sea. Cautious optimism about a deal for Ukraine aid and border policy changes. A judge threatens to remove Donald Trump from the courtroom in his defamation trial. Pakistan has launched retaliatory strikes on Iran. Princess Kate in the hospital for up to two weeks for abdominal surgery. Dallas Cowboys keeping coach Mike McCarthy. And what happened when Jason Kelsey showed up at his favorite McDonald's? That story in about 20 minutes. Medicare patients lining up to fill pricey prescriptions at the pharmacy counter this year will realize some good news. For the first time, there is a ceiling on how much they'll pay in 2024 for their Part D drugs. There are some caveats, however. Here's Liz Esley White, reporter at the Wall Street Journal. Liz, what's new? In the past, and if you were on a Medicare Part D plan, um, you would... Uh, pay a lot for your drugs, you'd reach what we call the catastrophic zone of coverage, and then you'd still be paying a 5% coinsurance after that. And so if you're on a pricey cancer drug, for example, that adds up and that can mean, you know, you're paying $16,000, $12,000 out of pocket, even though you have insurance to cover these drugs. Um, so this year, for the first time, they're doing away with that 5% coinsurance, which means for people who are taking only brand new medications, they'll hit roughly $3,300, and then they'll stop paying for drugs um, for the rest of the year. Okay. So that's really helpful news for people on really pricey medications. And then next year, it'll change again to a flat 2000 So is this tied to Medicare being able to negotiate drug prices? Yeah, well, it comes from the same legislation. The Inflation Reduction Act in 2022 um, both allowed Medicare to negotiate drug prices, and they're working on setting that up for the first 10 drugs. Um, but it also made these changes to Medicare Part D, which is the insurance program that covers most prescription drugs for Medicare patients. Um, and it it's kind of a phase in till we get to that 2025 $2,000 cap. Um, but this year you'll start seeing some savings as well. Explain uh, 
maybe a, a family or individual you spoke to who's just going to see enormous savings, maybe life-changing type savings? Yeah, we spoke to a couple people who this will be big impacts for their pocketbooks. So I talked to 69-year-old retired nurse Judy Aiken in Portland, Maine. And last year, she paid more than $9,000 out of pocket just for her arthritis drug, which is Embril. And that's not even counting her other drugs that she takes. So now, this year, she'll she'll hit that 3300 uh, ish uh, barrier and then she'll be done. She'll be done for the rest of the year. So she's looking forward to um, paying off more bills, maybe even going out for a pizza. We're speaking with Liz Esley White, reporter at the Wall Street Journal. Her story is called Medicare Patients on Pricey Drugs Are Saving Big This Year. Are taxpayers picking up the, the tab for this? Well, that's an interesting question. So who is directly picking up the tab is the um, the the plan sponsors. So, um, you know, companies agree to sponsor Medicare plans and, and those plans will, will pick up more of the drug tab. And then also the drug manufacturers, they're picking up a big, bigger chunk of that cost um, after you go into the, the catastrophic zone. But there is a question of, you know, will this cause different um, effects down the road? So will this mean that those Medicare plans need to raise their premiums? Um, so are we going to see, we already saw higher premiums for this year's plans um, back when we had open enrollment at the end of last year. And, and the thought is maybe we'll see even higher premium hikes next time. Yeah. Um, so there, there could be some after effects. There could be Medicare plans that decide to say, hey, we're going to put some more paperwork barriers in the way of you getting these drugs since um, we're picking up more of the tab. Gotcha. Uh, they could drop certain drugs perhaps from coverage plans? Right, yeah, and, and that's why the experts we spoke to said it's very important if you're uh, a Medicare patient to really scrutinize your options for, uh, for, for drugs next year. Um, so open enrollment will be at the end of this year, and you'll want to go in. You can even go on Medicare's website and plug in what drugs you take, and then you can see all your options for how much each plan will cost and um, how they'll spread that out through the year and, um, you know, whether the plan covers your drug at all. Oh, wow. All right. So, yeah, I, I was going to say, I, I don't get the sense that uh, pharmaceutical companies or pharmacy benefit managers are going to take this lying down and say, you know what? Yes, we overcharge. Uh, here's some money back. So I, is there still a lot of, like, zigging and zagging to go? Oh, there's always zigging and zagging in healthcare. Yeah. I, I mean, everything with drugs is... Um, we'll try to make it affordable in this way. Oh, but look, the price climbed in this other way. But at least for now, this will offer some relief to to seniors who are on those fixed incomes and who can't really afford these giant out-of-pocket payments. What else uh, stood out as you were pulling this all together? I think, obviously, the, this is a feather in the cap for the Biden administration. They, they got the Inflation Reduction Act passed. Um, but it's been interesting to see, you know, when, when Part D was created, this wasn't even really um, an issue back in 2003. Um, we didn't really have drugs that cost this much that someone, you know, could even after hitting the catastrophic zone would still be paying so many thousands of dollars for these drugs. And as you've seen drug prices climb over the last two decades, this has become a problem. And so that's why you saw legislators kind of get after it in the 2022 Inflation Reduction Act. Thanks, Liz. Liz Esley White, reporter at The Wall Street Journal. It is time now for the mic drop with this morning's Mike Gavin. 
Good morning. Well, we know you, Gordon, had some trouble with your flight back from your vacation, but if you were thinking about complaining, you'll have to get in line behind these people. We start here. If you thought that sitting in the middle seat was rough, one passenger had the extremely unpleasant experience of nearly an entire flight trapped in an airplane bathroom. According to the Indian media, the unnamed flyer went to use the facility shortly after takeoff on a one-hour and 45-minute spice jet flight from Mumbai earlier this week. But when he tried to leave after doing his business, the the door wouldn't open due to a lock malfunction trapping him inside. The crew and other passengers desperately attempted to free the flyer from his outhouse arrest, but to no avail. In an attempt to calm the passenger during his ordeal, crew members even slid a note under the door like FBI negotiators trying to reassure a hostage. Jeez. The letter read, Sir, we tried our best to open the door. However, we could not. Do not panic. We're landing in a few minutes, so please close the commode lid and sit on it and secure yourself. The airline has since issued the flyer a full reimbursement for his in-flight imprisonment. Well, can you imagine if the flight was any longer than an hour and 45? Yeah, and what's he doing going to the bathroom immediately after getting on the plane, coming in from the airport on a one-hour and 45-minute flight? I mean, he's got to be better prepared than that. Also a fair question. Um, <laughs> another question I'd like to explore here. Uh, would you get on a plane that's called SpiceJet? <laughs> yeah, not the most reassuring name, uh, I, I would have to say. Uh, that uh, sounds like somebody crafted that in their backyard. Hey, hey, want to want to fly? Uh, take an hour and forty five minutes on my spice jet. Uh, just, just sounds yeah. weird. And also, yeah. can I? I didn't think about this. Um, is there a way to actually secure yourself in the bathroom? I didn't. I didn't think to. I can't picture if there's an actual like seatbelt, like just in case something like this happened. Yeah, I think he just kind of had to hold on for dear life. Yeah. I think that's kind of what they were telling him to yeah, do. Maybe and, uh, that's what thankfully, like. everything was okay. Jeez. And if you thought that was a rough way to spend a flight, get a load of this. A New Zealand couple successfully demanded a refund from Qantas Airways after claiming they sat in a passenger's urine for a lengthy international flight. The incident unfolded on December 30th as the two flew from Bangkok to Sydney. Things got messy when one of them placed his Qantas pillow and other belongings underneath the seat in front of them. When the aforementioned flyer retrieved his pillow it was damp as was their duty-free bag with $70 worth of items a headphone case and a portable neck pillow initially chalking the wetness up to spilled water the couple stored some of their items in the overhead bin and enlisted the cabin crew to replace the soggy pillow it was later they shockingly discovered a pair of soggy underwear oh. also under the seat which meant that the water was something else entirely yeah. and they'd been sitting in it for 10 hours and had even used the soggy neck pillow for a few hours Ooh. after going yeah after going back and forth with the airline several times Qantas finally refunded them the flight the cost of the flight which was nearly four thousand wow. dollars all right so the person in front pees their pants uh, sticks yeah. their wet underwear under the right. seat compartment on top of this guy's stuff yes. and soaks their stuff oh my goodness fantastic flight great flight thanks mike if you still have landline phone service, you may have noticed that your monthly bills have been skyrocketing. That's because the FCC no longer regulates copper lines and phone companies are jacking up the price of their service. UMA is an internet home phone service that lets you keep enjoying the safety and peace of mind of a home phone without paying an arm and a leg. In fact, with a one-time purchase of the UMA Tello, you get internet home phone service for free. All you pay are applicable taxes and fees. Unlike mobile phones, UMA has address-based 911, so dispatchers will know exactly where to find you in an emergency. 
In the event you call 911, UMA can send a text alert to loved ones. UMA even includes a free mobile app so you can take your home number on the go. And don't worry, you can keep your home phone number for a one-time fee or get a new one for free. Setup is easy. It takes less than 10 minutes. Stop paying too much for home phone service. Visit UMA.com slash Gordon Deal today to get a special discount. That's O-O-M-A dot com slash Gordon Deal. Behind the Headlines. Above the noise, you're listening to America's First News this morning with Gordon Deal. Hey, glad you're with us. With cold temperatures, ice and snow hitting much of the U.S., your first instinct before driving anywhere might be to let your car heat up. But AAA says the engine only needs about the time it takes you to fasten your seatbelt to ensure lubricating oil makes its way across the engine's vital parts. USA Today has a look at what else to know about driving in the cold first Your car may not start because the batteries are not fully charged. J.D. Power says vehicle owners may notice this when the starter works sluggishly. Try these tips to help your vehicle's battery start under frosty conditions. I had never heard this one. Warm up the battery by flashing the high beams for 20 to 30 seconds. Also, turn on the ignition. Wait a few seconds for the fuel pump to work if your car has an injector. Another method, if your car has a manual transmission, to press the clutch pedal before starting the engine. Eight minutes now in front of the hour on this morning. Once again, here's Nicole Murray. And now, the three big things you need to know. Number one. President Joe Biden and congressional leaders have renewed hope of passing the $110 billion foreign aid package after meeting yesterday. The agreement includes assistance for Ukraine, Israel, and Taiwan, and will tighten border security. House Speaker Mike Johnson described the gathering as productive, but says Republicans remain adamant that border security should be addressed first. We must insist, we must insist that the border be the top priority. I I think we have some consensus around that table. Everyone understands the urgency of that, and we're going to continue to press for it. $61 $61 billion would be for Ukraine's defense against Russia, $14 billion for Israel, and $14 billion to address border security. Number two. Pakistan conducted a series of military strikes earlier this morning against rebels operating in Iran, killing at least nine people. The attack was in retaliation to a deadly bombing in southern Pakistani on Tuesday. Pakistan's Ministry of Foreign Affairs have described the assaults as successful and left a number of terrorists dead. While the country says it fully respects the territorial integrity integrity of Iran, it cannot compromise the security of Pakistan. Number three. Police have taken a person of interest into custody in connection to a stabbing spree that left at least five people injured in the last nine days in Queens. The suspect has been identified as 27-year-old Jermaine Rigger, NYPD Chief of Patrol John Shell. The subject in some cases tries to make statements to the victims, but they don't understand what he's saying. And in one case, it was a fight, an argument on a bus that went out into the street. The incidents involved four males and one female. The female is 34 years old. The males range from 36 to 74. A Maine judge has delayed ruling on whether former President Donald Trump can appear on the state's presidential primary ballot until the Supreme Court decides on a similar case in Colorado. Trump was removed from the ballot in both states, citing the 14th Amendment insurrection clause. Justices in Washington will hear arguments on the case February 8th. The U.S. Federal Highway Administration is getting strict. Starting in 2026, states can no longer post overhead electronic road signs with obscure meanings. This includes comedic puns or pop culture references because it can distract drivers. No, brother. Any message is distracting. No one can have fun. Everyone, be quiet. No laughing allowed. Fun police are here. (laughs) 
Thanks for being with us. Jason Kelsey might or might not have retired after 13 years in the NFL, but he's definitely making the day of residence in Delaware County, Pennsylvania. Yesterday, he drove to his local McDonald's in Broomall, 30 miles west of Philadelphia, to order his usual sausage, egg, and cheese. When he pulled up to the cashier window, he was greeted by a familiar face. Danielle Bonham has served the Eagle Center on multiple occasions, and the pair have taken several photos together during his Mickey D's runs. This time, he decided to do something special for Bonham. Kelsey, who won a Super Bowl with the Eagles and spent his entire career with the franchise, signed a Kelly Green Eagles jersey for Bonham. Fox 29 spoke to several businesses in the township in which Kelsey lives, and they raved about his community impact and the difference he's made since he and his family moved there. That'll do it for this hour. For Nicole Murray and Mike Gavin, I'm Gordon Deal. Thanks for listening to This Morning, America's First News.